que é. Take those monies and spread across families. My sister Hattie and Luna, nephews, cousins, and TT. What up, what up, y'all? My name is Cal. My name is Anna. And you're tuned to Cognac Cupcakes and Conversations. CCC is a podcast with a twist. Cognac, cupcakes, and stimulating conversations. Because it's not just about us anymore. And we're striving to promote awareness of issues affecting our communities. In short, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. I don't know if y'all heard my water drop. (laughs) But we here, y'all. We are here back at it again for another week, another episode to entertain y'all with. And it's a very... Um, informative episode, but mm-hmm. informative in a good way, not in a boring, you know, viewer, viewer kind of way. <laughs> no, no, are, that's uh, that's my uh, that's my base favorite movie. Actually. Really, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, viewer, <laughs> viewer. <laughs> yes, we're gonna be talking about generational wealth today with a special guest that we'll be bringing on later on. Her name is Keandra, um, but we'll get into all of that a little later. Kel and I were just talking before um, pushing the record button. Just about how we're kind of in this weird phase and we think maybe everybody else is going through it. You know, comment on the episode or on our IG if you agree. Like, do you feel like, well, Kel, you describe what you was talking about. Yeah, I feel like we're like in this weird cycle, like where it'll be like pandemic, race war, Another thing that's happening, like, it's just like nonstop stuff that is happening. And then it'll be a silent moment where it's like a silent, maybe a month or two, Mm -hmm. not even a month or two. I can't even give it that much. It's a week's because I think there's like this running black Twitter calendar (laughs) every month. So I'll give, I'll say this silence for like a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. And then boom it comes back and it hits us again. And honestly, I'm drained. I'm drained. Between that, the weather changes, between commu- um, um, Mercury going on retrograde starting next week. Like, I uh, am not drained. looking forward to that. I'm drained. And it's going to be here until like October 18th. So Ew. it's going to be here for a while. Like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. Tired, tired. Tad boss. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I was just saying how um I'm I'm definitely on my last leg, not last leg of pregnancy. I'm still in the middle, in the thick of it. Right. <laughs> of it. You know, I'm still in the middle, um, in the second trimester, but the more and more I go out, the more like every time. I think the first time I experienced this might have been your birthday like when we did your birthday party uh-huh. um, the, the versus battle I was so hyped that night though and just like dancing and stuff like that and I the next day I felt like I was recovering like I was drinking with y'all and I didn't and I, I know I baked a cake that day and that might be there might be something to that because it seems like most of the things I've been doing have been with like friends and stuff. I haven't really been going out, going out. And when I do go out with friends, even though I don't drink, I usually end up baking something. And I don't know if it's because I've been on my feet all day, the day of that maybe 
by the time the next morning rolls around, I am finished. <laughs> so uh, definitely, I, I had a great time at my friend's um, dinner reception. It was really small, really intimate. Um, I I think it was like, I, I thought it was 20, but it might have been 30 of us. Um, but yes, um, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful um, reception dinner at this place called Turn House um, out in uh, Columbia, which I definitely want Kel. I think that would be a great brunch spot for us. They got a lot of good, like, even though I'm not effing with the crab right now, they got a lot of good crab little bites um, and stuff like crab, uh, eggs, Benedict and all kinds of stuff. I'll send you the menu later, but either way, it looks out onto this golf course and it made me wish that I could drink wine. It was giving wine vibes because it's like off the beaten path. So it's uh-huh. like super hidden. And I, I think you would really appreciate it. I think me and my husband may see if we could check it out around our anniversary, go there and see what it's hitting for. Um, but I heard all great reviews there. Their appetizers were awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But I made my first little mini wedding cake. Really, um, I don't sound as excited because I'm tired right now, but like, right. <laughs> I was really proud of it. Still am very it proud of it. Really More people talked to, huh? I said it looked great. I didn't get the taste. I know it. I could, I know. I don't have, I um, never have to worry about taste with you. You know what? And you know what? I am gonna elaborate on it because this is cognac cupcakes and conversation, and then we'll get straight into the um. <laughs> into our motivational moment. But yes, so for this cake, what I did is that I kind of replicated what I did for Raquel's birthday cake that I made her. But um, instead of... Bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> bombs. Thank you. Um, what I did is my friend who got married, shout out to her, Bemi and Jared. Um, they... <laughs> she asked me to make it with vanilla cake and I was really nervous because I was like god damn like I don't I don't really do well with vanillas vanilla cakes when I try to make those a lot of times they be dried out whereas my chocolate cake and my my um red velvet I'm very confident in those but like the vanilla cakes they just be dry so I found this moist fluffy um vanilla cake recipe and it was the trick was to do it with cake flour so I was like, oh, okay, okay. I felt a little more confident because I've made one cake with cake flour before, and I do remember it being fluffy. So this was a total experiment, <laughs> and I did that, and I did the regular buttercream frosting, and um, I really took my time with frosting the cake. So I really got my edges down, blah blah. blah. I won't bore y'all with that, but I, I really felt like I I leveled up. Leveled up, level up, level up, level up. Okay, I really leveled up on my cake. My cake layers was leveled. The, the it was just like that smooth siding and everything. I was like, yes, a bitch has leveled up in her frosting skills. <laughs> and I made the caramel sauce from scratch again, which if y'all don't remember, it was brown sugar, butter, and milk. That's literally what it is. And I think the last time I said that, Kel was like, don't give them all the tea. Don't get so I won't give measurements. Mm-hmm. But yes. <laughs> and the measurements, it, cake baking is definitely a science experiment. And that's what they were talking about in the vanilla cake recipe. They were saying that I needed to use um, uh, weights 
what what's the thing called like a food weight or whatever so don't even give all that all that you're gonna have to find in our ebook recipe yeah. book <laughs> giving too much all right, i'm done i'm done the last thing i'll say is that so they didn't end up getting their cupcakes so they had to end up skipping that and so all they had was my little mini two-tiered six inch three three inches wide um cake so they ended up the the uh restaurant ended up slicing it in these thin very thin slices but it was perfect they was able to feed almost everybody dennis and his friend went outside and they didn't get a slice but everybody else got a slice and everybody was like oh this was perfect it was delicious um one girl um shout out to tope she was like you made this oh like you know what i don't like frosting but you know usually i I scrape off the frosting on a cake but it was good it was you know it wasn't too sweet and i was like that's what my best friend says every time (laughs) i was like my best friend says that same thing to me she doesn't like frosting Yep, I'm a cake person. She, she likes my buttercream frosting. Only like, person frosting I like. I don't know. Just- yeah. <laughs> and they really like the caramel sauce too. So I was like, okay, let me add this to my repertoire. Some somebody even asked me like for my information, like for a card. And I was like, damn, I, I don't I don't have no card. And she was like, Well, let me just follow you on Instagram, girl. So I was like, all right, I'll just DM you and put a cake next to it. <laughs> and that's what we'll do. So definitely rave reviews on the cake. So I was proud of it. Definitely adding that to our repertoire for our, whenever we, whenever life resumes again mm-hmm. and we start doing events again, that'll be another cupcake flavor that we can add to the list for sure. Yep. Yes. All right. Uh, we're about what? 10 minutes, almost 10 minutes in. So Kel, go ahead and hit us off with that motivational moment. Indeed. So for this week's motivational moment, I wanted to do a love letter to all my queens out here. As women, we show up for the world. We show up for our kids. We show up for our jobs. We show up for our men. But how often do we show up for us? More importantly, what does showing up even look like? Is it being aware and mindful of our personal needs? Is it self-advocacy? To me, it's all of those things. As your overachieving bestie, Let me be the first one to tell you how vital it is to be that we need to go above and Beyonce, because we all know that she's the GOAT, for ourselves. That includes putting yourself first, taking that mental day, taking day naps, taking that spa day, put things into place that makes your future self say thank you. For once, ladies, show up for you. And that's my tea for the day. And have you been following that, my dear? Have you been practicing what you preach? Like that. You know, I'm going to challenge you on that. I know. I know. Something like that. No, I, I am going to do it, though. I am. I am going to do that. Mm-hmm. I did. I will say this. I had a um an interesting, challenging call, and I did realize it was starting to disrupt my peace, so I, I removed myself mm-hmm. from the call. Mm, and mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with my decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am okay with my decision. 
So in that moment, that's like me setting my boundaries. And I do plan to um, be more intentional about picking a day on the calendar throughout the months because I have a lot of leave at work. (laughs) I just haven't used it. I plan to choose my days throughout the months and put my mental health days like on my calendar. Do it. Yeah. Gotta do it. I remember I had some I had some bosses who like had days off. A lot of times it was because they were going to get their hair done. But also <laughs> I feel like sometimes it was also just a, a mental health moment. And the higher up you go, like we've been having in our personal conversations that I've been having with you, the more you climb that corporate ladder, the more I'm I, I'm gonna keep preaching to you. You need that. Because mm-hmm. women CEOs female CEOs and stuff like that, they got them moments. They got them um, mental days, mental weeks. They take their vacations. Why? Because you need that to reset and refresh and come back and attack the, what, you know, the day, attack the day, you know? And I will say this, I will say shout out to my nonprofit job. <laughs> they did mention that on one of our meetings before they were like, look, we know that y'all do y'all job above, beyond, underneath, in between, all of that. So if you need to take off for a couple hours, don't mark that on the calendar for your vacation. Take those hours because we're sure that you're going to make that up at some point or the other. Because that's how much and how hard we work. So I do appreciate that they are starting to get it. Mm -hmm. And And I I appreciate... And I don't work there, but I do appreciate how... They allow y'all to work from home. I don't know if my old job would have allowed that as much. I mean, they currently are. So, hey, but I feel like your job was kind of um, lenient with that, mm-hmm. you know, before. So, yeah, and maybe it's because there's a lot of cohorts involved at your job that um, at your at your organization that um, have to be virtual. Yep. So, and I mean, it's kind of the same at my old job, but you know what? I'm not there no more. So I'm not going to go on with that. My new job is gestating this child and I can kind of relate with your, with your motivational moment because today I was acting like a straight toddler in the sense that I was beating myself up because I was so tired. I was like, why am I so tired? I don't, I'm not even doing anything today. I did a lot the last few days. Like there's been a lot of job stuff. Oh, I had to tell you that off, off air, but there's been a lot of job stuff that I've been kind of getting involved in and trying to set up things for the future, um, potential, you know, offers and stuff in the name of Jesus. Um, and so I was just kind of on that kick today and I was like, yeah. So I was like, yeah, today I'm going to do my LinkedIn. I didn't touch that LinkedIn. I was saying that like for the last past year, so I feel you on that one. (laughs) It's been a year of me saying it. Like you should see my whiteboard; always has LinkedIn on it. Nope. Yes, (laughs) and that kind of happened last night at dinner. I met someone who wants to connect with me, and we did still end up connecting on LinkedIn. But she was like, you know, shout out to her. She was talking about how, you know, oh. Uh, I'm in HR. I have these job leads. I would love to like connect you with people, blah, blah, blah. And I was telling her, honestly, girl, I really need to update my LinkedIn. And she was like, yeah, you got to do that because you never know when this can happen. She was like, well, just do that. And when you do it, let me know. We'll still be friends on LinkedIn. But when you're ready, I'll, you know, I'll start shooting your stuff out to people. 
So like, I, that was my goal today. Because <laughs> I was like, let me get this LinkedIn popping, blah, blah, blah. And real talk, I just couldn't. I was exhausted. And finally, Dennis convinced me like, yo, after watching a series of episodes of um, The Circle, because The Circle is back, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> the Circle is back. All of that. Side note, me and you both being in some forms of marketing, and we're in the nonprofit. We were in the non. I was in the nonprofit world. You're still in the nonprofit world. And we were both in competitive, like high, high, not highbrow, but um, you know, I don't know the right word for lack of better words. High end nonprofit where it's more competitive. It's not just like some BS nonprofit where it was like you were on task. Like imagine being in marketing in the corporate world, like right. super corporate for-profit world where it's even more cutthroat. Ciao. So there's the one person that's on the show. I won't give them up in case you haven't watched it and people listening haven't watched it, but they're in marketing and they were like, they're a marketing manager. And oh, my first thought was like, how the fuck? <laughs> I, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I am convinced. I couldn't wait to bring that up to you. I couldn't wait to say, like, how? That she has a laptop or a secret cell phone somewhere. Because it is no way in hell you are on that show for, like, at least three weeks, I would say. And you you silent? No. Yeah, Dennis was like, oh, it's just a five-day. I was like, no, they've been there already five days at this point. Like, this got to be at least two weeks. And I don't know, in the marketing world? Missing two weeks, they're gonna be on her head top when she gets back because <laughs> there's too many deadlines and people be acting like they don't know what to do when there's a missing cog in the wheel or when somebody is all about baton passing. Okay, we're not gonna bore y'all with this because it's, it's already <laughs> 15 minutes into the episode. You can't even see, y'all can't see my facial, but she reads me. She reads me. <laughs> it's no way in hell. It's no way in hell. There's no way. It's balance. Ratchetness and righteousness is the yin and the yang of life. You got to be equally yoked with both. All right. We also, I forgot to say, we're also going to forego the R&R this week. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> um, you know, I know there was a lot to happen. Jeezy G- getting, Jeezy and um, Jeannie. Uh, I don't even know what young Jeezy last name is, but yeah, God bless. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're blessed with a seed and she changed her mind. Okay. okay, so she changed her mind. So that was a big deal. We'll table that for next week. Um, I'm sure there'll be more to come out if it even matters next week. Um, and then I'm sure we're going to hear more and more about this stuff with Nicki Minaj and her husband. Now that um, old girl was on the reel, that was very a very interesting conversation. So That'll be picking up as well, um, I'm sure, throughout the next week or so. So we'll table that. Um, there's probably some other stuff, but I don't think. Oh, everything going on with the Haitian migrants at the border, at the U.S. border. Definitely want to hear more probably about going to jail <laughs> for violating probation. to jail. Tory Lanez. Oh, yes, that too. It's, 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 you know what? Do you know what happened with, like, briefly, do you know why they're saying that? He violated. I did not going to that concert. Being he he violated the um, what's it called restriction temporary. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that thing. You know, um, not restriction. What is it called? Damn. I know. I'm trying to think. 
I was just listening to an Amanda Seals episode podcast uh, um, with Tammy Roman, which was really good. And she was talking about restraining order. Thank you. Restraining <laughs> order. Yeah, yeah. Like he violated the terms, I guess, of that. Okay. So that, so it's because he went to a concert. I was like, how did he do that? You know, I didn't know it was a concert. Okay. So whatever that yes. festival was that she performed at. Okay. So makes sense. Makes sense. I ain't, I don't care. I don't, you know, but you know, we're going to talk about all that next uh-huh. week. <laughs> we're definitely hitting 20 minutes now. So we are just really excited about this conversation and we want to get straight to it. So without further ado, here goes our conversation on building generational wealth, you know, and you already know, like we always say, it's not just about us anymore. So we are going to kick it off with Keandra. Yes, guys, we have a special guest on our podcast. As we mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about generational wealth and we couldn't think of anyone better other than um, a special young lady by the name of Keandra, who's yeah. actually my prima, you know, it's like a family affair. Like what, it's two episodes ago, I had my affair. other cousin on here. Yeah, yeah, it's a family affair. But yes, Key, tell them who you are and um, just, you know, a little bit about your credentials and your ethos. Establish that ethos, girl. Girl, I mean, <laughs> you already did a lot of it, but um, <laughs> hey, y'all, I am Keandra, as Anna mentioned, uh, better known as Key. I have been in accounting since 2015 now. So I'm seven, six. Ooh, I guess I'm not an accountant if I can't count. I'm six <laughs> years in the game. Um, no, yeah, six years in the game. Uh, I went to school for accounting and finance. And I started off doing taxation for large corporations. So investment firms, you're thinking of Black Rocks or KKRs. Um, and then I transitioned into a more finance-based role. So doing financial analysis um, and tax planning. And now I am at a fintech firm working in business development. So um, Big Sita, AKA the Stock Whisperer, AKA your favorite accountant's favorite accountant. Amen. Talk that talk. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) The Stock Whisperer, yeah. And we gonna get into some stocks. We gonna talk about some stocks on this. Cause you know what? I feel like not enough black people are well-educated in the stock world. And, you know, like when we have black people in our community that can, you know, give us that game, put us on game, it's important to share the wealth of information in order to acquire wealth. And even more so black women. I feel like when people think of finance, they don't think of women. They think of, you know, your typical Caucasian male or your Mm -hmm. Asian males that are on the floor. And we need to start having more representation that these ladies, we we boss. Yes, representation matters. Mm-hmm. And um, I think even outside of stocks, we need to just have those conversations. I saw a post yesterday that said um, some mm-hmm. girl, she had gotten to tech or whatever, and she started at Silicon Valley, and she said, I asked for $100,000. I'm the first person in my family to really be big in tech. Um, and she got an offer for 120 and thought mm-hmm. she had struck gold, but then found out that everyone else on the floor was making 150 Wow. Um, yep. And that was because she didn't have anyone to have conversations about. So I think especially in our community, we got to do a better job at having those conversations about money. Um, and I'm not talking about the person that's just nosy and want to know how much you made in stocks yesterday or how much you right. made on a yearly basis, but we got to have those conversations to make sure that we're being um, 
paid accurately for, for what we were, especially with those people who call themselves allies because they're typically getting compensated a lot more than we are um, and can help us get to the bag. Indeed. That part. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, um, I want to start off, kick off the questions by asking, what's the difference in your opinion, of course, between being rich and being wealthy? Ooh, that's a tough one. For <laughs> me, wealth is long lasting. Um, so when I think of wealth, that means that, and I think now uh, in a survey, people just said wealthy is 1.9 million which is down from 2.6 million like last year in the interview. But for me, wealth means that um, you're good. You have time freedom, you have resource freedom, you have money freedom, and you can pass that on to generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think rich just means you can afford anything. Mm. So That's interesting. I didn't re- even know that there was a dollar amount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those different words, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think with rich people, it's like, you know, a lot of celebrities are rich basketball players for a long time while they're working are rich, right? They can mm-hmm. go to the store and buy what they want or um, they can buy whatever house they want. But then by the time they're done with their career or ending their career, they're broke. Um, they don't have any money. And that's because I think rich just refers to money. I think wealth refers to money management so much so that you can continue on with it. Mm-hmm. totally agree with that totally agree definitely so speak, speaking of that i want to know can you become wealthy while working a nine, there's, it's just like a let me finish this statement can you become wealthy while working a nine to five or are multiple streams of income necessary and i ask that because there there is this idea or this concept especially in the millennial the time the age of the millennial or maybe it's more so the age of Gen Z right now, but we're kind of in a crossroads where both generations have kind of had this idea or this understanding that, you know, microwave success is attainable and um, working the nine to five is the long route. And then half the time, these jobs aren't even loyal. These jobs ain't loyal. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they, don't even, you know, you don't know if you're going to be able to get that 401k or whatever that you put in so much money into, or if you're going to get fired. So I want to know your opinion on that. Yeah. Um, and expertise, I'm, of course. I'm a piss LLC Twitter off tonight for sure. Um, <laughs> because if everyone became an entrepreneur, nobody would work for you. So let's, Let's start there. <laughs> right. Um, to answer your first question, I, I think it's two, a two-parter for me. I do think you can become rich or wealthy with a nine to five. I also strongly advise against it because I think that um, one income is too close to none. And we saw that with businesses that we never thought would tank just last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you think about Macy's, all them places. Yeah, you talking about these large Macy retailers, Penny. these large restaurants. Everybody got to eat, you know? You would think, okay, you know, people are going to go in and no, they're not. And even jobs that we think are forever lasting, they will find a way to replace us with uh, automation. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important to have um, multiple streams of income. The average millionaire has seven. So that's the magic number, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, that they suggest. And I think that it also makes goals more attainable. So 
you think you want to make an extra $10,000 a month and you sell bonnets, for example. Um, if that is your only source of income and the bonnets are $10, you have to sell a thousand bonnets to make that 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had maybe five income streams, five different side hustles at that $10 price point, then all you need is $2,000 from each of those five. And then that 10,000 becomes more attainable right now that you have five income streams trying to get $2,000, which is really just in a work, in a work week, which is 20 days out of the month, which is really just a hundred dollars a day. Mm. Um, it starts seeming a little bit less. If I could get 10 people. So if you really break that down, that's 10 people buying a $10 product five days out of the week from each, each hustle or um, business that you have going. And when you break it down that way, that doesn't sound bad. You think, I, I just got to get 10 people to buy this $10 item in 24 hours. Mm. That means if somebody buys something every other hour, I'm still good. Um, and you do that five times, you've got that 10K. So I certainly do advise everyone get other streams of income. And it doesn't have to be income that you work for. You can have that passive income um, through investing or anything else that you do that doesn't require you to work. Um, especially with automation these days, but I, I, I do suggest that you have multiple, but to get back to getting wealthy when you have, or just increasing your network, right? When you have a nine to five, it certainly is possible. So 401k, a lot of people think, all right, I don't want to invest in this 401k because what if I got to dip off, right? But 401ks are transferable. So mm-hmm. it's not like the money that you put in there is like, oh, I gave it to X company, now this, I'm never going to see it again. Mm-hmm. That money that you have in there, you can transfer that into your new 401k. If you do continue to have a job, um, you can transfer it into a, into a, um, a IRA. Account. You can do, you can withdraw and just pay the taxes. Um, and if you understand your job 401k, then you'll know that a certain amount of that money is yours. Even if you leave the company that they've contributed to your 401k. So um, probably not within the first year. It won't be a large amount. You'll be eligible for 100% of what you've donated and a certain portion of what they've donated. Um, But to reduce your taxes, you've got your flex savings account. You get your health savings account. You've got your 401ks. And what I always tell people to get a job, who get a job is try to get a publicly traded company. You know, my job gave me $15,000 in stocks last year. Mm -hmm. I would have never bought $15,000 in stocks from my company. I I didn't even have the cash flow to do it. Right. But that vest in three years, if I give them three years, however much that grows, that's mine. And whatever else they add on to it is mine. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I saw a post about, um, it was like, I think it was, yeah, it was towards millennials. And they were asking like how they were able to afford to buy houses and they wanted like the real honest truth. And a lot of people said that their jobs gave them stocks and that's how they were able to to use that money and flip it towards buying their house. And I don't think that's the thing that we talk about a lot in our community about is we always go after a bigger salary for jobs, but not necessarily think about the other perks and benefits of what we can get out of the jobs. like can we have some sort of equity or ownership into that job through having the stocks? Can we, you know, um, there's just so many other benefits. I, I can't remember them at all, but I have it listed mm-hmm. in my phone somewhere down the line that I can post later on. 
So I think that that is a really excellent point is to to look into what your company will. That you know. was one thing I do want to comment on that as well, really quick before you mm-hmm. ask your question, Kel. I had that at my old job. That's one thing that made it hard for a lot of people to leave my old job is that they had excellent benefits, not just dental, which was one of the, Kel told me that was like one of the best dental (laughs) plans I could have had. But like, um, which is why, praise God, I was able to get my Invisalign. But (laughs) anyway, like, yeah, uh, they also had really good 401k plans and they gave you, um, they vested you five years into working there so you some places you got worked seven ten like my at last job you only had to be there five and I did five easy like real fast at my old job that's so true and they would match it they would match what you're putting into your um 401k so that built my built my 401k really fast and it was helpful when I did leave because when I had to claim hardship, you know, I was able to take that money out. (laughs) (laughs) And I sure that yes, definitely tax that joint because you do not want to play those games later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I just want to ask that also with the stocks. Another thing they offer you with a lot of these companies is an employee stock purchase plan, which means that you get a discount on the stocks for your, for your company. So with my company, I believe we get 15% off, which is about depending Mm -hmm. on how much the stock is, you know, anywhere upwards, 20 to $30 per stock, um, which is a huge savings benefit. And that's something that you can negotiate back to my earlier conversation about having these candid conversations. When I think negotiating, when I get a job, I think y'all offered me 70, I want 80. That is not the only thing you can negotiate. You can negotiate how much stocks Mm -hmm. they give you. You can negotiate how much time you get off. You can negotiate, um, you know, your benefits being fully paid for. So, um, I certainly recommend if you can getting into those, getting into those companies, if you are taking that nine to five route that are offering you those stocks that vest in that five years or under time period, and that allow you to purchase them at a discount. Um, because then you, then you have the ability to purchase more than you would uh, naturally. Yeah. I finally found the note y'all. It was sign on bonuses, paid time off salary negotiations. It's like a whole list of things that you should think about for, um, oh, learning stipends, all of those things that you yeah, can my request. Yeah, my last job also, that just reminded me, it had um, uh, access to lawyers. Like they gave you a retainer fee for like a lawyer if you wanted to have a lawyer mm-hmm. and five five um, free visits or whatever to like um, a therapist, which I never use. I should have used both of those things, honestly. But anyway- I digress about my personal stuff. Kel, go ahead to your question. (laughs) No problem. Yes, now I got to get back to my question. So yes, my question for you is, how can we as millennials invest in our future with the uncertainty of the economy that we're currently dealing with today? You know, millennials have dealt with at least two to three recessions. (laughs) And I'm sure that there, this is not going to be, those aren't going to be the last. There's definitely going to be more down the line. So like, what can we do? <laughs> yeah, um, we tired, y'all. Right? <laughs> we don't want no more trauma. Okay. And we it, it, got it. it. We didn't even do it. Like, we didn't even cause the drama yeah. that we, <laughs> we are dealing with. This is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think that everybody says, by the way, 2027, there's like a lot of stock people who are claiming 2027 is going to be the next one. So 
I guess that might be four in our lifetime that we right? um, oh and a lot God. of people have theories that they're trying to collapse the um, dollar bill to move us into that digital economy space. Um, but I think that the uncertainty of the economy is only scary because I think we um, believe stocks are harder than they necessarily are, right? As far as investing is concerned. So I'll give an example. Um, that point that I just made about kind of bankrupting the dollar, so to speak, and getting rid of it and transitioning to that fintech space. When you think of fintech, you think of how many times have you cashed out your homegirl? How many times have you Venmoed somebody? How many times have you sent a PayPal invoice? These are things that we use every day, right? And that's fintech. And when you think about that, that's that digital transfer of money. These are all publicly traded companies. So when you see things in the market are becoming uncertain, I say stick to in CLC, the river and the lakes that you're used to. Um, use those fintech stocks to invest because you know that even if the economy tanks, those should probably be going up. Look at cars, right? Every Since we've been kids, we've been seeing with the Jetsons or whoever else, we're going to have flying cars and electric cars and things like that. So yeah, things might not be the same with a Macy stock or um, another stock that we're more accustomed to, but we know that electric vehicles are the wave. We see the Teslas, we see those things. So we should be looking into battery stocks, electric battery stocks. We should be looking into electric cars. We should be looking into things that make that easier and getting ahead of the wave. Um, I don't even want to say humble brag because I'm not bragging, but you know, I got plug last year at like three something, three dollars and something cents. Um, and plug went to 75, I believe, last year. So I made 10 grand off of like $300, $400. I made wow. like $7,200 or whatever. And that's something that I didn't expect it to blow up that quick. So don't let me make it seem like I knew. But getting into these stocks that we think are the future, um, even with education, we're talking about virtual education. Zoom, right, is a platform that we know is a part of the future. Um, so getting into those things, I think, helps us to feel more certain in the market because we already know where it's going. Absolutely. That, that's a really great point. Um, with staying on the pulse. And I think education is what we have to like really drill into our community is to, to be financially literate and stay on the pulse of what's new and now. And with all that being said, because all, all I hear is the dollars that's, that you got coming into your pocket, but I also thinking about Uncle Sam and how he likes to snatch them dollars and them coins <laughs> up. So with that being said, do you have any tips on finding like that sweet spot when it comes to taxes um, where you don't owe, but you still get a full check throughout the year? Cause I know I've been like really struggling with that, especially when we hit different tax brackets. Like there's a sweet spot, the unknown, but how do you get into that sweet spot? Like what is the, what's the tea? Woo, I made a post a few weeks ago, like, ain't no way America need all these taxes out my check. Okay. Like, ain't no way. Um, I think that one of the things I always suggest, and this is a personal opinion, um, of course, check with your financial advisors and y'all personal <laughs> CPA. But um, I think a business is something that we can leverage so much when we have them um, in ways that we don't think of to reduce our income. So Kel and Anna, you guys are business partners. You guys go out mm -hmm. to eat. You guys go out to eat and talk about this interview. It is a hundred percent deductible, mm -hmm. AKA claim it on your taxes, AKA reduce your taxable income, AKA y'all eating at Morton's for free. Now, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Please right. do not go get three bottles in 1942. Right. It has to be a reasonable, <laughs> right? A reasonable dinner. Um, another hack to that business point for people who do have them is paying your kids. Mm-hmm. So you can employ your children at your business. Mm-hmm. And I put this baby to work as soon as you push him out now. Yeah, right. <laughs> So you can pay your kids up to 12,000. I think they might've raised it to 12,500 a year. Hmm. That money is tax free for that child. That's the threshold for anything under 12,500. I want to say it's 12,000, but they might've raised it to 12,500. But let's go with 12,000. Anything under $12,000, they don't have to pay taxes, federal taxes on. Then you've just reduced your taxable income by $12,000. That mm-hmm. is the difference between, you know, one bracket and another. It makes a significant dis- difference that $12,000. Then you put that $6,000, which is their max out for the Roth IRA, which I love IRA accounts. Mm-hmm. And by the time they are 65, they are multi-millionaires. Wow. That money grows tax-free. And that money is deducted tax-free, like taken out for yourself. Once you start taking that money out, it's tax-free again. Um, So that's one of the ways I say for business people, your office, your home office, you work there. Even now we're working from home. That's business-related expenses. Write it off, keep your receipts. for people who are for those who who don't have businesses and they are working from home, do they still have that power to do that? Yeah, so you can, um, when you were in the office, if you are telecommuting, um, so you're doing sometimes that hybrid schedule, sometimes you're in the office, sometimes you're at home, you can claim your uh, gas, you can claim your mileage, you can claim those things. As your home, you can claim portions of it. So you're using your light bill because you live there, right? Um, so it has to, everything with Uncle Sam has to be reasonable, right? So if your light bill is $300 a month, you cannot write off $300 a month. I do not think, one of the things with taxes is don't pay a dollar to save a dime. So I don't think that for someone who has a nine to five, claiming these tiny instances will actually make a huge difference in their tax liability. Mm-hmm. But what I can say, I think makes a huge difference in their tax liability is the things that they invest in um, with their job. So that flex savings account, right? Or that health savings account. Those funds are reduce your taxable income. So everyone goes to the doctor every year for one reason or another. You put that money in there and that reduces your tax income. Now you'll pay your co-pays, your medical bills. If you need a massage, anything health related, you need some health sneakers. You know, Nikes are good for your feet. All of those funds will reduce your tax liability. With the flex, with child care expenses, up to $5,500 of that, you can deduct as well. So if you have a child that's in daycare or after school and you're paying for that, you can reduce your taxes that way as well. So I always suggest leveraging those savings accounts that your job offers and then lever- leveraging those um, those children's, those little $600 STEMI benefits leverage them um to to save some more money in your taxes hmm well okay so my next question was actually going to be kind of related to that because you know 
I, I was thinking, I know me and you actually talked about this briefly earlier, Key, about how I, I'd be like, well, maybe it's too late for some of us millennials, you know, and it's not just about us anymore. But are there any other ways to set up your kids to be millionaires other than, you know, what we just discussed with the that 60, would you, would you say multi-millionaires by the time they're 65? Yeah, so um, let me actually give some like real numbers because you know people don't really be thinking you know what you're talking about unless it's talking some real numbers now so um back to that Roth IRA example you put $2,400 in there your kid turns five years old put $2,400 in there using that hack that I mentioned paying that $12,000 a year and then for the rest of every year after that you only put call it you know $100 every month which people who are in a certain, this is not for everybody because for some people you cannot save a hundred dollars a month. Um, and that's okay. But for those who can, if you can put in that extra hundred dollars a month from the time your child is five, um, you would have contributed $66,000. Um, if you're estimating eight to 10, people say like eight to 10% is like a good um, annual rate of return it'll be worth $1.26 million by the time they're 65. Wow. That money that they withdraw is tax-free after they're 59 and a half. So um, when you break it down to numbers like that, something like $25 a week, you're putting in there, or it doesn't have to be $1,200 broken out of that monthly basis. You could do damn, I got an extra $600 this time. Let me put this here and then put another 200 this time. You can break it up however you want. But if you follow that, that pattern, you'd have $1.26 million for your child at the time that they're 65 years old. Um, and that's assuming an 8% return, annual return. Um, and you know, a so, lot of people would probably think, oh, well, what's 65? What's, what's this going to do for them with them being 65? Listen, my parents are 59 well going on 59 59 and a half i know they would love to have a million dollars in the bank and this is generational worth wealth so this just makes me think like period if they knew if your child was middle aged at this point and they knew that they had that money they don't even they can of course they should save their own money but to have that extra wealth of money waiting for them makes a whole difference in their lifestyle and their children's lifestyle. And then it goes on and on and on being able to help buy, buy their children a house because they're straight, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and um, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Life insurance. I was going to say, you know, Master P who I think is one of the greatest business geniuses that we have. He started his empire with a $10,000 life insurance that he received from, I'm not sure if it was his grandmother or his mom who passed mm. away. Um, and he used that to make his uh, make his mogul, like make himself the mogul that he is today. So um, don't underestimate the power of that life insurance. When we pass away, a lot of times we leave our kids with bills, right? With debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're not betting on dying when they're young, right? You want to live a fruitful life, but... When you think about it, what is young really? If at 45 years old, 55 years old, my mother passes away and I got a million dollars, I'm gonna be good with that million dollars, even at 55 years old. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so that's another thing that we have to think about. And then, you know, stocks, people who don't want to buy them large, you know, super large stocks or don't have the means to, you can buy partial stocks these days. You can buy a partial stock on Robinhood, which a lot of people are um, familiar with. There's this thing called Stockpile that you can buy a partial stock on. Um, you can gift someone a stock. So your nieces, your nephews, you know, Christmas time comes, birthdays come. They're probably going to think you know, whack auntie for the first few years until they know what's going on because you're just giving them a gift card. But that those things are compounding interest. And you can't, I believe you cannot save yourself so well. Like your money in the bank is not doing no good for you. Yeah, right. It was two things that you said that I wanted to touch on. Well, one thing that Anna talked about with retirement or both of you guys, Anna, mm-hmm. you specifically, because you definitely worked in um, a nonprofit organization that was based off of um, retirement. There's a common misconception that when you retire, you're straight. And Ooh. it is so false. Ooh. And like, I really need people to understand that your budget has, it has not even cut in half, but half of that half. And you are expected to live off of that. So I don't want people to have that mind frame that our baby boomers and our generate some of the earlier generation X um, groups mm-hmm. does about like, oh, you know, you work until you retire and then you're straight. No, no, because they're struggling right now because they didn't think about like what retirement actually means. Retirement means nothing at this point anymore. You still have to work a full time job. And then the second part of what you said was life insurance. Um, I recently went to um, a money matters thing at my church and they had a financial advisor on the call. And one thing that she talked about that I never really heard anyone ever discuss is life insurance. People think life insurance is just for death. You can maximize your life insurance and use that money while you are still alive. You can use life insurance to buy your houses. You can use life insurance. It's so many things, reasons why you need to have life insurance and have not just like one little thing for life insurance just for you. Think about your family members, like put some policy. I know people, who watched Martin back in the day when um, Gina, Gina. I mean, yeah, the mom thought that Gina was trying to put the uh, life insurance on Martin or whatever. Get your life insurance on your baby daddies. Get your life insurance on your brothers, your aunties, your uncles, your, your fathers, you know, because yeah, all that stuff. What is $20 a month going to do? You know, like that no. one time payment that will help you in the long run. Yeah, yeah, that's my little tidbit. Sorry, I didn't mean to be all passionate. No, it's cool. That was, that, was like my next anyway. that was my next question anyway. So yes, let's continue. Let's elaborate on that conversation. Um, and I also want to say to the point of you know, Anna mentioned that a lot of us feel like all is lost for us, right? If we didn't invest. So I have this other thing here, just talking about the average compound rates. So back to the four hundred one k's. Most jobs will match your contribution up to a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So when you see, oh, invest $500 a month and you'll get this much, you're like, I don't have $500 a month. Fair, perhaps you have 250, right? Because your job is putting in that remaining 250. Mm. So for those who are 25 to 65, they were to invest $500 a month or call it 25, $250 a month match with their employer with a, 10% rate of return, they would have $3.16 million at the end of that. With a About 6% 65? return, yes. With a 6% return, they'd have $995,000. Mm. 
So we're talking at the bare minimum, you'll be just shy, just a few thousand dollars shy of being a millionaire, right? Or having that million dollars in assets. And again, maybe you won't stay with that job, right? Um, so there's nothing forcing you to stay there. But for some of us, we may not stop working at our jobs. Um, some of us would like to work nine to five. Some of us will have side businesses and still work nine to five and leverage, you know, in real estate, people call it OPM, other people's money. Mm-hmm. Leverage it here in your 401k. You work for that job. They paying you, you overworked, probably feeling underpaid, get all the benefits that you can. So that's something I want to ask with that, what you just said with that breakdown. I think I did see somewhere where they were like, find out what your company matches. Don't go over what they match. Just do up to that point. Because after a while, like, I guess if you go over it to a certain amount, it doesn't really benefit you, I guess. Mm. Are you able to like expand upon that? Yeah. So I'm not an expert at this, but what I will say is if you are investing, um, understanding the terms of your 401k is very important. So once your job offers you that 401k, they will match a certain amount. Um, they will match either hundred percent up to like 6% of your salary. Um, and then I believe the max that anyone can do is, uh, is 19,000 annually in that range. Um, and I, I can check that to, to be triple sure um, before we get off of this, but I believe it's in that $19,000 range. After that amount, you will just be investing those funds outside of what your job is matching, but you still can't exceed that $19,000. So you're throwing this money into this investment account, right? That they're not doubling for you and that you will pay, you will receive a penalty for if you withdraw. Mm -hmm. right so it's more it's better to diversify your money versus just having it like in one singular thing right so if you have your 401k money that you're putting above what they were matching and you put it in you know to your business to marketing or to um your own stock brokerage account that you have you you have more flexibility to do what it is that you want to do with those funds. Once you put it in that 401k, consider it goodbye bye until retirement because that's what it's set aside for. That's in theory what a 401k is for, for those emergencies, those big life purchases, and then for retirement. Um, and if you're, you're somebody who wants those access to your funds more rapidly, I, I think that's that's one of the reasons. I'm sure there are others, I just don't know them. Right. Um, do you have an investment philosophy that you kind of like live by i got two. <laughs> so the first one is from warren buffett and it said and he says i will tell you how to become rich close the doors be fearful when others are greedy be greedy when others are fearful um and so that's basically talking about you know when when people are losing money in the market everyone wants to pull out right but mm-hmm. um which is a natural reaction mm-hmm. but that's typically the best time to buy in right mm-hmm. because you're getting in at a lower price point and that makes a huge difference in your profit so uh back to plug i got plug at three dollars and something cents 
Um, so when it went up to $75, I was making $72 per stock in profit roundabout, right? Um, I had friends who got in around that $40 range or $50 range, meaning that compared to me, they were only making $30 to $20 per stock. So that makes a huge difference. And so when if you're not afraid to get into the market when things are not looking good, especially if it's a stock that you believe in, um, then you know it's going to go back up. And that just gives you a great entry point into the market. Um, on the other side, when everyone's buying something out, buying something up, it's probably a bubble. It's raising the prices up. They're not the, the fair prices. And then you're going to see a bear market or a correction later on. In which case, that goes back to my earlier point, you get into that lower um entry point for that for that stock and you increase your profits that's the first one mm-hmm. <laughs> the second one is don't look for the needle in the haystack just buy the haystack and that's from um john bogle he's the ceo of vanguard and so that one is about you know for example with fintech that i mentioned being the the future or electronic vehicles being the future um or electric i don't know why i said electronic okay Electric vehicles being the future, <laughs> right? Um, it's hard to say which one is going to be the winner. Right now, we're thinking Tesla. Right now, we may be thinking PayPal or Square, but we see disruptors in the market all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if y'all remember Ask Jeeves. Mm-hmm. Baby, I wrote mm-hmm. every paper off of Ask Jeeves <laughs> back in the day. And now, you know, Google is this is this big house. Blockbuster and Netflix, we look at Blockbuster, can never tell me we wasn't going to be yes. in Blockbuster that was the bringing out movies. Yeah, out movies. Okay, <laughs> the movie theater even. Um, mm-hmm. Which look at that now is kind of like phasing out even. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're trying to find that one that's going to make us rich. And what the buy the haystack is is getting into index funds because what index funds do is they hold multiple companies in a certain sector. So instead of just buying PayPal, you'll buy an index fund that holds multiple um, fintech companies. And so they move with the with all of those fintech companies. Mm, you like Amazon. To- I think Amazon has something very similar with them. They have a bunch of like, I've seen an affiliate breakdown of Amazon and it's companies that you don't even think about are associated with them with their stocks. So I see what you're saying when you're saying when you're saying that that makes sense. Yeah. So the S and P 500 is the index fund, um, and they're 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 mirroring the market. So everything is kind. Of, you have a little bit of everything in there, um, and then with ETFs, you can do a particular sector. So I think I might have misspoke a few seconds ago. So with your index funds, you're looking at a little bit of everything. So you're moving, you're mirroring the market, and that way even if some things are tanking and other things are doing really good, you're still at a good point, right? Mm. Um, And with those ETFs, you're looking at a very specific sector. So you'll have multiple fintech companies in this ETF and they're mirroring how those fintech firms are moving or multiple electric vehicles or electric battery companies. They hold those and it's moving with that. Um, And so I think that's really dope because studying stocks is very time consuming, in my opinion, doing it Mm. well, right? It's very time consuming. It's very risky. People always talk to you about, oh, how great it is and how nice it is or whatever. I almost banged my head in the wall a few times with Hertz. Hertz did me dirty for a long time. I mean, mm. I ended up ending great, but like 
those few months was rough. I thought I was going to have to, you know, start selling my feet on OnlyFans, but we made it. <laughs> um, ah, <but> you know, <laughs> we had a Listen, couple of I'll- moments ourselves like that. So I ain't going to hold you. I ain't going to hold you, sis. I'm not. I've considered it, but you know, if you, if you don't want to, or if you're nervous or just getting into it, you leverage those two things because they're holding multiple, multiple companies. Um, and then once you study and see how that's performing, you can start getting into individual stocks um, as you grow. That is awesome. What are, um, what are, well, you kind of touched on this already as far as like, what are some of the investments as black female millennials should look yeah. into? I know I've seen recently a thing about, well, I've been saying this a lot, a lot lately, actually, Airbnb flipping and um, crypto investments and using vending machines as all these other different ways of gaining more incomes and um, just using a little bit of money here and there to, to flip those monies to have like, you know, multiple things. So what are some other things as black females, um, millennials that we should be looking into for investments? Yeah, um, on the topic of Airbnbs, just a little ta- tax tip there. If you rent your home for 14 days or less, that income is not taxable. Mm. So that means you go on vacation with Bay, you rent out your house, for those two weeks, you pay no taxes on that income. Mm. Um, so that's people who don't really want to get into Airbnb seriously, but they just want to do it, you know, maybe once or twice a year when they're they're away or something like that. That's great to leverage. Um, I think that drop shipping is really something that, pardon me, has been booming and that I think is great. Uh, what drop shipping is for those who don't know is mm-hmm. um, you don't actually house any of the inventory. So you're basically the middleman. Um, you find products that are great. You leverage your network and people who follow you and think you're popping and you sell a product. Once they pay, your vendor ships it out to them. Um, of course, there are you know pros and cons of everything. I think that that is something great, especially if you have a huge following on Instagram or social media. Um, and I think that even you know having those partnerships is something that we should look into. Those investments, I know like um, a lot of people now who are, what do you call those things on Instagram? Influencers. Mm-hmm. They're making money by selling or just wearing certain outfits, right? So um, I think that you can invest even in those brands um, as something that you're looking, looking to do. I also think I just learned about the event space business. Um, which I'm thinking to get into, which I had no idea. I mean, I kind of knew, but didn't really know how lucrative it is. Um, and I actually just took a course on it, but you're thinking you get a spot for $2,500 a month in rent, right? Um, you don't own this building. So I'm specifically referring to event spaces that you do not own. Um, I cannot speak for the numbers if you own it, um, but $2,500 a month you're paying in rent and you're charging $1,200 um, for weekend events, Fridays and Saturdays, for example. Those first, that first Friday, Saturday, you've basically paid your rent. Mm-hmm. Every week after that, it's practically, pra- and that's just for the space and the chairs. You know, when you go to baby showers and when it's down, you got those marquee letters, you're charging $375 a letter. You've got those uh, plates, you've got those cups, you've got those other rentals. 
that really generate a lot of income. And that's something that people always need that people are always going to have baby showers um, and weddings and special events, christenings. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, another thing I would say, I have talked about getting into that, but it's like, you have to have the savvy behind it, like the financial savvy behind it. So we might have to talk offline, but um, that is definitely something because of like how you brought up those letters, the big letters and stuff like that, like all the materials that you have as an event planner or something like for my mother, I call her house, the museum sometimes, because it's just like so much stuff that she has. And it's like, we got to put this to use because otherwise it's just collecting dust and we may use it again, but how much money could you make if you either had a store where you were allowing people to use it and you have them pay insurance on it or whatever, if they break it and, or if you had a space. And so we were more so in the mindset of using a space and then they can use these extra items. So yes, we shall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We shall talk. um, Cause I I really, like I, I bought the LS, We'll talk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I would say is taxes. I know people are going to hate me saying this, but the only thing sure in life is death and taxes, right? And so (laughs) I think, which we've been talking about, right, all night, I think that people should, if they can, if they have the know-how, invest in the tax software. It's going to be a a large, um, you know, investment at first, for, for some people, but you're thinking if you're charging $200 a, a tax return and you're getting a hundred people to join, that's $20,000 in a month. Most of us can get a hundred people um, to trust us to do their taxes. Once one person adds another person and adds another person and adds mm-hmm. another person. Um, and that's something that, that's not even a full-time business for most people. You don't have to do tax planning and preparation. We're talking January to April, you're grinding, you're performing these tax returns. If you get even 50 people a month for that $200, which is on the lower end, right? I know people who pay all five, $600 for their taxes, depending on the complexity. Mm -hmm. You're looking at $40,000 in the first four months of your year. Um, And that's something that, that we can get into. I think even like credit repair, these are things, when I think about, at least for me, when I think about things that we should be investing in these days, they are things that are pretty sure. I mean, I know now they're trying to like get rid of credit ratings and how they're set up or whatever, but I don't know how true that's going to be. Um, but these are businesses that have lower startup startup costs that you can do from home. You don't need a brick and mortar. Um, you don't need a, you know, a lot of capital, especially for like credit repair. Um, and you'll always be in demand. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm big on that finance, that finance tip, perhaps in a biased way. <laughs> um, and then real estate, like you mentioned, Kel, either for Airbnb or for just to have tenants or even to house hack, right? You mm-hmm. have uh, two family, you live on the top, your tenants live on the bottom and pay yep. the majority of your mortgage off and rinse and repeat um, or buy a building, you know, with your, with your tax refunds. Um, Nelly Galan, who I'm a big fan of, always says, buy buildings, not bags, or buy buildings, not shoes. Um, I bought the shoes anyway, but I'm going to start. <laughs> life is I'm short. Start buy the impl- shoes. Life, YOLO. <laughs> yep. But, yep. Um, I'm going to start implementing that for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Those, these questions were like spot on, hitting, touching our souls. I hope that a lot of people are able to learn from all the things that we talked about. 
And I hope that this conversation actually continues to grow. You know, like I think that it's so important that we have some sort of financial literacy because we didn't have that um, growing up and they're not teaching that in, in the schools. And I seen a post on TikTok about this white lady who was talking about like, why that like, that's one of the most frequent asked questions is why we don't learn about financial literacy in school. And the reason why they said was because when, when they were teaching school, they were teaching things, teaching kids to be able to be factory workers and mm. they wanted them to be workers. They never intended for people to, to be able to be owners of these things. So the people who were already on top, they wanted them to stay on top and just continue mm. to teach you in a basis of how to work for someone else instead of working for yourself. Mm, that's deep. So that's deep. it's yeah, really it's- important that we, as women, as black women and as millennials start talking about these hard conversations on what we need to do to, to build generational wealth and build legacies within our communities. Cause the Jews are doing it. They got it down on lock, <laughs> best believe. Baby, I went to, I could talk about this all night, but I went to a predominantly <laughs> um, Asian and Jewish middle school. Um, and when I went there, they, and night from my elementary school um, and high school experience. And that's not to be disparaging to what they provided me with in those you know, other schools that were in our neighborhoods. I had great black teachers. I, black teachers are the best Wakanda mm-hmm. forever, but the resources <laughs> that are put into those schools usually are a lot less. So mm-hmm. in my junior high school, I took three or four regents by the time I got to high school. So I was done with half of my high school. Um, I learned how to play the violin. I learned how to play the sax. Um, every morning they did the announcements in two languages. Mm-hmm. So they would do it in English and Russian or English and Chinese or English and Spanish. And so after hearing that for 180 days every year, you start picking up on those languages and those conversations. Um, and the kids that I met, a lot of them were having these conversations about businesses and taking over their parents' businesses or how to be wealthy long before they even got to 18. So we definitely got to do it for ourselves, you know, volunteer with the kiddos, go back to the schools, tell them this stuff because, you know, a lot of us just, we just don't know. Um, and we couldn't know if we spoke about it. Yeah. Well said, well said. Well, Key, is there anything else you want to share before we uh, close this out? No, I would say um, to all the people who are talking about taking a dinner with (laughs) Jay-Z or somebody else that's rich versus a perfect credit score or versus the money, take the money, Mm -hmm. take the credit score, fix your credit so you can leverage it. that conversation yeah. is not guaranteed to bring you a dime. Imagine you get to dinner with Jane. He'd be like, nah, I don't want to talk about business tonight. I just want to kick it. You're <laughs> <laughs> not trying to invest in shit. Exactly. Okay? Or if it's the, that one where they had Jermaine Dupree or a bushel of crabs, I definitely said, give me that Crabby, bushel of crabs. Garlic, mm. butter. I'm specific in my needs. Okay. <laughs> Imagine. And I saw another one. I was like, oh, Memphis Bleak been around or somebody been around Ho for 20 years. How come this nigga don't got the 500 million? Like, y'all gotta get, <laughs> y'all gotta get over this. Y'all gotta stop this. It's a fact. 
it's a fact because there are workers you know in the cog wheels or whatever like there are workers and then there are the the people that end up wealthy like beyonce and jay so Mm -hmm. yes well thank you so much key um is there anywhere you'd like people to follow you no thanks no okay i had a feeling (laughs) love y'all now (laughs) yes maintain anonymity yes yes well (laughs) we still thank you for coming on the show if you guys have any other questions make sure you reach out to us right you know then we'll get you some answers (laughs) um from our special lady here key um and until next time thank you so much key for coming on the show we really appreciate you um we'll have to definitely bring you back on the show again maybe next time we'll give you all a visual maybe right right (laughs) (laughs) we hope y'all really enjoyed that conversation that we had um with keandra she can hit us up on all friends and I, i definitely will be contacting her for business stuff as well but in the meantime we're gonna get back to talking about how you can help others not just with wealth but help them get back on their feet and we're gonna go into our philanthropy highlight get up get out and get something how will you make it if you never even try you need to get up get out and get something so for this week's philanthropy highlight, we are going to be discussing Operation Hope. Operation Hope mission is to expand economic opportunity by making free enterprise work for everyone. Operation Hope has developed a four-step system to ensure financial dignity and inclusion by reintroducing individuals to themselves, offering redemption, providing opportunities through purpose-driven projects, and give back dignity. To learn more on how you can support and be a part of them, you can um, visit them and learn how they expand their missions at www.operationhope.org. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you, Kel, for always sourcing our philanthropy highlights. I thought that was really on brand because um, it's hard to get to wealth <laughs> if you ain't got nothing to begin with or no, or if you don't have an opportunity to begin with that's right that's so true and the thing i like the most about that one that particular brand um organization is it is the uh, person who founded it is a black man and we all know that you know we have the hardest time breaking these generational curses because we did not come up with everything we didn't have the same advantages or the resources ahead so to see a black man want to make changes and you know put their more than just digital footprint, but just put their footprint in the world and society on helping other families get to that generational wealth. It's, it's like a testimony. It's, it's a blessing and we love to see it. Yes. We love to see it. I love us for real. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. And with that said, we're going to close out this week's episode. Make sure that you follow us on Cognac Cupcakes and Conversations on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. I always forget YouTube. We got plenty of content on YouTube that y'all can view and watch in case we end up taking another break soon. Hint, hint. Uh (laughs) Um, Oh, CCC Vibes on Twitter. I know we did not tweet the... I was busy tweeting on my own personal Twitter account. (laughs) Um, I didn't even know about it until it ended. Like the, the fat Joe and yeah, yeah. I yeah. 
Yeah, it was on when we was watching when we were having that meeting um last week, but um I I knew you was exhausted, so I was like Kelly watching this. <laughs> you know, so I didn't even bother to say that. We had it on mute. Um but it it was interesting, you know. The, I if I would have known all that Nelly stuff was going to happen, I probably would have been like, "Girl, watch it," you know, but um when we were watching it, we saw uh what's her name? Remy Ma come out and and then I think right when we hung up from our call from our meeting, that's when like Vita and Lil Mo had came out. But I, I still wasn't I was excited to see Vita, but I was just like, okay, you know, it makes sense that Ja Rule bring them out. But um I didn't hear all that drama that happened beforehand because it was on mute. But um, anyway, yeah. yeah, the highlight to me was Nelly and um Ashanti. I think that was a highlight for most people. <laughs> so okay? I had friends from college hitting me up. Uh Moo, Alex, even Alex knew about it. <laughs> so I was like, what Alex doing watching? Right. <laughs> so so yeah, so that was hilarious. But um yeah. Oh, so I know we digress there. Um, thank you, Dan Kiatra, for coming on to the podcast and talking through. So, you know, we we need more black people, especially black women, reaching back into the community and putting us on game. And that's what this whole conversation was all about. And so we wanted to share that that wealth of information with y'all as well. So we hope y'all enjoyed it. Let us know um in the comments if you what other kind of topics you want us to cover um that may be similar or maybe on a whole other um wavelength yeah we're down for it yeah (laughs) until the next time we out peace out it's a vibe